This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. What an awesome privilege to be able to speak to you. I know if you'd known it was this old lady, you wouldn't have come for this meeting. But anyway, I need to pray before I start. Father, I need you right now. And I know that's a prayer you always answer. So I just pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit to bless each person here. Give them just what they need, even if it's not anything I say. We just want you to work, Lord. Thank you for blessing each one. In Jesus' name, amen. That's not easy getting up and down, but I can still do it. What a privilege to be here. My name is Janet Page. I work in the ministerial department at the, at the World Church headquarters. Only been there about a year. It's been absolutely overwhelming to travel around this world and to see the needs. I hope every one of you can be involved in a mission trip, be involved in service, outreach, going to places. It opens your eyes to this incredible world that needs our help. I had something happen to me 18, 19 years ago that was awful. I turned 40. I know, I know a lot of you cannot even relate to that. Even 18 years you can't. But my friends, I call them my ex-friends because they did one of these horrible parties where black balloons, black crepe paper, a tombstone cake saying Janet Page's youth has died. It was awful. That was on the East Coast. Because of that, I, I moved to the West Coast. Actually, I moved because God called us to. But I thought it'll never happen to me again. But then when I turned 50, it happened all over again, but this time it was worse. I don't know why. My husband were here, he'd tell you why, but we won't let him. But when I... It's, when you're young, it's, you can't wait. You can't wait for that day you get to go to school. You can't wait for that day you're going to get to drive a car. You can't wait for that day you graduate from college. You can't wait for that day you're going to marry. And life seems like it's going slow. But as I started getting into my 30s, life just seemed like it was going faster and faster and faster. And there was all this busyness, all these priorities, these things that got to be done. And I remember one day just going, what? really matters. I can't do all these good things. What really matters? And you think about your life, really, what matters? And what came to my mind as I thought that was John 17:3, which says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The only thing that really matters is if I know Jesus Christ. And yet, I had learned when I was 17 years old from a Bible teacher that I needed to spend time with Jesus every day. And I thought, why? I, I mean, I try to be good. I try to go to church and read my Sabbath school lesson now and then. Why do I need to spend this time with God every day? He knows I love Him. I raised my hand. I asked the teacher that. And he said, if you don't spend time with God and get to know Him reading the Bible... You're not going to know Him. You won't love Him. And if you don't love Him, you're going to walk away from Him. I said, well, I don't want to do that. I said, I'm going to start spending time with Him. I said, well, how do I do this? And he showed me how to, to do it. He said, there's really no set way. Just take your Bible and pray. 
And I said, well, how long? And he suggested, well, maybe, maybe 30 minutes. He said, there's no set amount of time. So I said, okay. I decided I want to do this right. So I got out my alarm clock, set it on the edge of the bed, and, and I started trying to pray. I read my Bible some. I started praying, and I prayed everything I could think of. And then I looked at the clock. Wow, only five minutes had gone by. And I thought, how am I going to spend the rest of this time with God? And I just did, I didn't know how. But I have found the more I pursue God, the more he shows me how to spend that time with him. It shows, makes the word interesting to me. But I got into college, and college was busy, really busy. And I kind of forgot about spending time with God until exam week. And then it was, oh, God, if you'll get me through exams, if you'll get me through exams, I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to read the Bible every day and spend that time. And he would. He'd help me. He'd get me through exams. And I would try to keep my promise and start spending time with him. But then I'd get busy again and I'd fall out of it until the next exam week I would remember again. I'd go, oh God, if you just help me get through exams, I'm going to read that Bible and really get to know you. I went all the way through school like this. But I always thought, well, once you're done with college, all you're doing is working a full-time job, you know. You got, what's that, eight hours or so a day? You got all the rest of the time to get to know God. And I found I was just so busy. There's just so many things to be done all the time. But then I got married, and we had a little baby. And I quit my job two weeks before the baby was to be born because I wanted to stay home with my baby. And I was so excited. I thought, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to get to stay home. I'm going to have so much time to get to know God, read my Bible. My mother failed to tell me, just going to warn you now, it's a 24-hour-day job taking care of that baby. And it keeps you busy. And it was... I, I would start praying as I'm driving in the car. Lord, I've got to help with the vegetarian cooking school. Will you bless me? God, I've got to help at the vacation Bible school. I've got to tell stories. Will you bless me, Lord? I'll never forget the day I was driving down the highway and I go, God, isn't it exciting? Michelle wants Bible studies. Lord, isn't it good? I'm sorry I haven't had time for you, but, but I'm doing your work, God. Will you bless me? Before I know it, I'm in my 30s realizing I really don't know him. And I thought, it's been so fast. Believe me, it's going to be fast someday. You're going to go, whoo, it went fast. Right now it seems slow. But it'll be fast. And, and I thought, it's gone by so quick. And if I don't start getting to know him now, it's not going to happen. And so I started trying to spend time every day with God in the Bible. And as I did that, I tried to follow the steps through the sanctuary of praise and thanksgiving. You enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And then I'd go into time of confession and then into intercession. But as I did the praise part and went into confession, I tried to confess everything I thought I needed to confess. But there was this one particular thought that kept coming to mind. And as it would come to mind, I'd think, oh, I'm melancholy. I just have an over-guilty conscience. I know that's not sin. And I just would try to shove it away. But every time I'd spend time with God, that same thought would keep coming back. Or sitting in, in meetings like this where they have prayer times, it would keep coming to me. And I finally told God one day, I said, okay, I know it's sin, but I can't deal with it. I don't think Jesus could if he were here and had this problem. Just no way. And I thought I could go on with life, live in a Christian life, and not deal with that sin in my life. And I just thought I could shove it to the side. 
I didn't realize till years later what that did to me. But my whole experience with God started just drying up. The Bible, I try to read the Bible and it just seems so boring to me and lifeless. I wasn't getting anything out of it. And when I pray, I didn't feel like my prayers went higher than the ceiling. And I got into this vicious cycle of depression. And I just, I didn't want to live. Life was miserable for me. At the time this started happening, was happening in my life, we had moved to Pennsylvania. And we were there for about a year. Jerry was pastor to the pastors there. And he went around visiting them in their homes and found out uh, what they needed was a, a, a retreat for the pastor's wives. And he thought, well, that would be good. So he worked that out for that to happen. I didn't want to go. I wasn't interested. You know, this is a pastor's wife. You don't tell anybody this kind of thing. But I had given up. I felt like I was hopeless. I just kept going through the motions, what you do at church and with your kids and everything, feeling like I was lost. There was no hope for me. God couldn't save me. I was too big a sinner. And, but I didn't tell anybody about it. And a year later, my husband became the conference president there. And it was right at camp meeting time, or right before camp meeting. At camp meeting, people started coming up saying, congratulations, how does it feel to be the first lady? I hate that kind of talk. And I tell them, I wash these clothes the same way I always have. Nothing's changed. You know, leave me alone. And (laughs) towards the end of that 10 days of camp meeting, that last weekend, some of the people had been attending a seminar that was on the Holy Spirit. And the speaker, Dave Walkowitz, was telling him how important it is that we pray every day for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives throughout the day. But he also told him to pray it for your families, pray it for your leaders. And he got them to commit to pray for Jerry and I every day for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And at that time, it was like 6.15 in the morning or, or sometime quarter past the hour to pray for us. Well, that last weekend on Sabbath, people started coming up to me and saying, we just want you to know, we've attended this seminar on the Holy Spirit, and the speaker got us to commit to pray for you and Jerry every day for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I look at them and I smile and I go, oh, thank you. But inside I was thinking, big deal. So they're praying. What good does that do? And it wasn't helping me. But I couldn't tell them that. But one person after another kept coming up to me and saying that. Then, for the next two years, we'd be in a different church almost every Sabbath because of Jerry's job. And every Sabbath, not every Sabbath, but a lot of different Sabbaths, someone would come up to me and say, we're meeting in our groups where they pray and and study the Bible. They say, we meet, we pray for you and Jerry, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your lives. And I'd say, oh, thank you. But do you know, it was two years later that God started moving on me in a dramatic way, turned me upside down in my whole experience with Him, made something happen that pushed me into spending time with Him again and just seeking His face. And in desperation, I would take my Bible, I would get on my knees, and I'd take my Bible and I'd say, God, I don't know You. I'm miserable. I don't even want to live. And I said, Lord, will You help me to know You? Will You help me to love You? Do you know that as a prayer God will answer? It didn't happen overnight. 
It was a good three weeks of me continually coming to God and telling Him, I'm going to spend this hour with you. I'm going to spend it with you, whether you show up or not, but I'm going to spend it with you. And I would take my Bible and I'd say, Lord, speak to me. Show me that you love me. Help me to love you, God. Help me to know you. And do you know, God did. He started pouring Himself out on me. It was incredible. Do you realize that this holy book will speak to you just what you need for today? It's incredible. I didn't know that then. I didn't know that God will speak to me through His Word. But He does. And He started doing that in my life. But I, I know it was because of those people praying. God <clears throat> led me because of that just pushing on me, the Holy Spirit pushing on me. My husband, he used my husband to get me to do a women's retreat. I did not want to do this. I was too shy. I was embarrassed to be in front of people. What am I doing now, right? But, but because of that, I didn't want to look bad. I wanted that retreat to be successful. I started pleading and spending time with God and saying, God, Ellen White says, your word is your voice speaking to us. Just what we need. I said, speak to me what I need to do with this women's retreat. And do you know God started showing me what to do with that retreat? But I didn't trust him. I didn't believe him. And I, it was later I met some woman who actually did retreats. And I asked her about it. I said, what do you do at a women's retreat? And do you know as she started sharing with me what to do with it? It's like I could just faintly, God saying, I already told you that. Why don't you believe me? Why don't you trust me? I already showed you that. I already showed you that. And I was amazed at how personal and intimate the relationship is with God. But in this time, God started working on me about that sin problem I had. Because of that, that retreat, I was scared to do it. He got me to start praying for somebody else to pray with about it. Because I just knew it was going to be a failure. And, and I was complaining to my husband. He pushed me into it. And he said, just go do it. And, I went out and go, just go do it. It's easy for him to say that. But the thought that came to mind was to pray that God would, would send me some woman to pray with about this women's retreat. And you know he did. But there was one minor detail I forgot about. And that was I was afraid to pray out loud with anyone. You know in church how they'll say, or, or youth groups, they'll say, now let's divide in threes and fours and pray together. And I would go, oh, i got to go to the bathroom. Or, you know... <laughs> pinch the baby, get them crying, do something to get out of that room. Because people, people will pray these beautiful prayers and I'd stumble all over my words and, or I'd start crying and of course everybody wonders why you're crying and I don't even know why I'm crying. You know? and, and then by the time they get to me to pray, everybody's prayed everything I can think of. There's nothing left. But what I've learned about God is it's okay to pray about the same thing. Because you, the Holy Spirit prays it through your personality. And it's okay to stumble over your words. Because nobody's words are good. The Holy Spirit takes all of our words and makes them powerful, meaningful to God. And prays through us. And the Lord sent me somebody to pray with. It was amazing. And I had hinted around to my best friend and that didn't work. But some woman out of the clear blue calls me on the phone, introduces herself and says, this may sound strange, but I feel like God's asking me if you wouldn't want to get together and pray once a week before your retreat. So, that I knew was an answer to prayer. We started meeting and praying together. 
And other women joined us. And I would pray, Lord, help these women at this retreat. They need revival. They need to be converted. And one of the times I'm praying this, all of a sudden I felt like it was so loud, God talking to me was, if you want me to help these women, let's work on your life first. And I knew God was referring to this one particular sin problem. And I, and I was so embarrassed. I opened my eyes, but everybody was like this, so I know they didn't hear me. And I said, later, later. I'll deal with it, God, later. But I didn't. I procrastinate. Do you procrastinate? It's a horrible thing to do. But later on, I was at a meeting, and we were in a motel room, and my husband, he didn't want to go to the meetings. It, it was all about prayer, and he said, you know, I know how to pray. I don't, I don't want to go there. And he'd tell you that if you were here. I'm not telling you something he wouldn't. Well, God had been waking me up now early in the morning. I'd started spending this time with him. And Jerry wasn't awake yet, so I went into the bathroom to spend this time with God because I didn't want to wake Jerry up. And, but I didn't sense God there like he usually was. And I started saying, God, where are you? I, you know, your word's not speaking to me. I, I just don't sense you're here. And I just as faint, and I thought maybe it's because I was by the toilet. But <laughs> it really doesn't matter where you are. You know, God's there with you. But I just sense God saying to me, Janet, I want you to deal with this sin problem now. My sin problem, this particular one, was a bitterness, a resentment towards someone who, someone who had hurt me terribly many, many times. And I just, God had been after me to ask their forgiveness. And I thought, for what? They're the one who's done all the bad things to me. I haven't done it to them, anything. Why should I be asking their forgiveness? And as God started moving on me, I said, you get them to call me and then I can talk to them. Let them say something to me first. But there was nothing. God wouldn't argue with me. And I just, I was so, I I so did not want to lose that time with God that I got up and went to call the person. And I, I went outside the room down the hall because I didn't want Jerry to hear. It was embarrassing. And the whole way to the to, to go where I could call him, I'm thinking, I hate this person. They've been so mean to me. I just, there's no way I can do this. God, you've got to do it through me, the Holy Spirit, because I can't. And as I got him on the phone, I was hoping they wouldn't be home, but I woke him up. It was so early in the morning. I started jumping into asking forgiveness, not knowing how to even do this, but I'm praying, Lord, how do I do this? But as I did it, One thought after another kept coming to mind that I specifically needed to ask forgiveness for. And I was in shock. And I'm going, will you forgive me for this? And then, will you forgive me for this? And then, will you forgive me for this? I was hoping, praying that it would end soon. I was in such shock. I didn't know I'd done these things to them. And... It finally ended. I was thankful. But do, doing this, knowing full well that they would never ask my forgiveness. But you know what happened? It's like a wave washed through me, taking out the bitterness and the resentment. And in its place gave me love and compassion for this person. I don't know how it is for you. But I can remember as an uh, older teenager, young adult, taking out the book Steps to Christ and reading it and getting to those chapters on confession and repentance and putting it away because I knew it was calling me to go to someone who'd, who I felt had hurt me a lot that I needed to ask their forgiveness and I would not do it. It dries up your experience. 
There is such a freedom and a joy in going with how God leads you to ask somebody's forgiveness, to humble yourself. You cannot go wrong in doing that. You know, that person, I could be friends with him. We still had our differences. But God had brought healing there. But that night in that motel room, Jerry didn't want to go to the meetings. He says, I'm going to stay here. You can go. But I felt like I needed to stay with him. And after I decided that, I felt like God was saying, share with Jerry what happened on the phone this morning. Because I had not told him about it. Nobody. (laughs) And I started sharing it with him. Now, I knew something had been bothering Jerry, but I didn't know what. But as I shared with him what happened, I could sense this emotional wall just coming down in Jerry. And I, as I, he, he, telling him this, you know what he starts telling me? He starts saying, yesterday, he says, I was walking back and forth here in the motel room. I was in here alone. And I was going, God, I don't want to be at these meetings. I need to be back home doing my work. Why did you make me come here? They're teaching us how to pray. And who are they teaching us? How? I know how to pray. My conference, we know how to pray. We pray. He says, I don't need to be here. And Janet, if Janet's so spiritual, getting up so early in the morning, spending time with you, how come she has a trouble with so-and-so? It was the very next morning that God told me, do it now and call this person. When Jerry shared that with me, I was really in shock because I was going, wait a minute, I thought you were always on my side. And yet I, I found out different at that time. Excuse me. I'm sorry, you don't have any. You know those verses, Matthew 23, 12, that says whoever humbles himself, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Or in James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Luke 14, 11 is the same thing as Matthew 23, 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. I always thought those verses are for somebody else. I'm not going to be anybody's doormat. Uh Uh-uh. And I just always... You're not going to deal with those verses. But do you know what? If you have a problem with pride, you can't get away from it if you read the Bible. It's everywhere. It's just through the Bible about being humble. And that night when Jerry shared with me how he'd been praying the day before, I just got chills because I realized this really is a God thing. He's the one that got me to do this this morning. He really does speak to me. It was just incredible to me. But it then gave me the courage because God was pushing on me then. You need to talk to Jerry. And God had been after me for a number of years to ask Jerry's forgiveness for a number of things. And I'd always said, no, no way. If I do that, you know, he'll just hold it over my head. Next time we have a disagreement. And I wouldn't do it. But because of what happened that morning, it gave me the courage that night to ask Jerry's forgiveness for a number of things. And do you know what it did? It did just what God's Word says. If we humble ourselves, we'll be exalted. It drew Jerry and I close together. For years I'd been trying to exalt myself, and all I'd been is humbled. And now as I humbled myself, I was exalted. We cannot go wrong in obeying God's Word. But you know that women's retreat? We were meeting once a week praying. Do you know what happens if you commit yourself to get together and study the Bible and pray with people? Do you know what happens? Do you know what happens if you commit yourself to spend time with God every day in the Bible, reading the Word and praying? You know what happens? You'll get busier than you've ever been. You'll get so busy. 
And that Satan will do anything he can to keep you from spending that time. And that's what was happening to me. But I knew God had sent me these women to pray with, and I would grip my teeth and say, I'm going to go pray with them no matter what. And we did. We kept meeting every week. And when that women's retreat came, we saw so many miracles happen there. We had a woman that was physically healed. The doctors, two years later, were saying, I don't know what went on there, but you were healed from a disease she'd had for 13 years, a very serious disease. But the most, the most beautiful thing was the conversions of the lives that were changed. The women were changed so much that when they went back, their husbands would call me or write letters saying, thank you, thank you for what you did. I mean, it was nothing I did. It was, you know, what God had done. But churches were changed because of what happened at that retreat. Well, my husband said, this is wonderful what all happened. He says, we've got to start doing this. I said, doing what? He says, we've got to start meeting with other families once a week to pray together for our community, for the people around us, for our school. So we started meeting with other families. We got everybody to commit. They'd spend time daily with Jesus in the Word. If you want power when you pray with people, spend time in the Word with God. Know your God. Then you will be praying God's heart when you meet with people to pray. And we, we kept a list of the things we prayed for. And after that first year, we saw over 15 people that had been converted that did not even, we weren't even working with, just people we were praying for. We saw at our academy a revival start happening and one student after another wanting to be baptized. They didn't know we were praying for them. And through that, God started showing me it's because of those people praying for you, Janet, that your life has changed. Praying for the Holy Spirit. And it's because of that, when we were asked to come to the General Conference and Ted Wilson asked for Revival and Reformation Committee to try to encourage Revival and Reformation across our world church. And we were praying about what could we do. Jerry talked with Mark Finley and said, you know what happened in our lives? It was through people praying for the Holy Spirit in us at a, it, every day at the same time. And out of that, Mark Finley came up with the idea, let's get our people praying seven days a week at seven in the morning and seven in the evening. You know, around the world, that's always going to be different. Or somewhere to pray during the day for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on us as His people so we can reach this world for Him. My life was changed through that. It's going to change this world. I've seen in a church, a pastor, he, all he would do is get up and tell jokes from the pulpit. He didn't come to prayer meeting. He wouldn't do evangelistic meetings in his church. And he needed to be converted. And people that were in that church said, we're just going to go to another Adventist church nearby. And we said, no, 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 you need to pray for him. And they did. A small group started getting together and praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that God would give them Holy Spirit-filled pastors. It took a while. One of the biggest reasons people don't see answers to their prayers is they give up. They don't keep at it. It isn't that we've got to beg God to work. It's not that. There's a great controversy going on. And God has limited Himself to our prayers. We have got to join Him in praying so that He can work in this world. It's just like witnessing. The very rocks could cry out, but He gives us the privilege of reaching people for Him. The same way with prayer. No one is blessed like we are when we pray. Job 42.10 in the King James, it says, Job's captivity was turned around when he prayed for his friends. 
My captivity has been so turned around as I have prayed for the people around me. I pray more for others in, in the community than I ever do for myself. And yet God continually blesses and blesses my life. My son, my younger boy, went, started going through this rebellious time. And, and I kept praying. And a lot of people were praying. Said, God, what do we do? What do we do? And God led me one day to start praying Isaiah 42, 3, which says that God will pour out His Spirit on our descendants and will bless them. I said, but Lord, He doesn't... How can the Holy Spirit be in Him? He's not living right. He said, that doesn't matter. You just pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Him. That boy, I wish he could be here right now, but he can't. He's with my 90-year-old grand, my mother. But that boy loves Jesus Christ. He's been serving God for several years now, doing youth evangelism, and now he's at the seminary. And my other son loves Jesus. There's nothing our kids and their wives love better than to get together and, and to spend time praying together. You think about it. It's the God of the universe that wants to spend time with you. You, you are very important to him. His heart grieves, his heart longs for us to take time out of our busy lives and just sit and say, Lord, help me to love you, help me to know you. Make your words speak to me. And he will do it. It reminds me of Christmas time. When I go to spend that time with him, I don't know if you've ever claimed Isaiah 40, uh, no, Isaiah... I lost it. I get nervous up here and I can't remember text. Isaiah 50 verse 4. It's a promise you can claim asking God to wake you up so that you can spend time with Him. And I didn't notice till later the reason He wants to wake us up. It's so He can instruct us, so we can help others. And God will do that as you spend time with Him in the mornings and in His Word or sometime in the day when you can do it. When you spend that time with Him, God will lead you to someone to share what he has shared with you, to help somebody else. It, it's incredible what he does. But coming early in the mornings, God will wake me up, and the room may be dark, and it's cold, and I'll go in there to spend that time with him. It reminds me of Christmas time, when my younger son was, was then a little guy, and he'd come home from school, and he'd wrapped a gift for me. He'd made me something, and then wrapped it himself. And he comes running in, he goes, Mommy, Mommy, can you look, see what I made you for Christmas? And he'd say, guess. And I'd guess. I'd try to shake. And I'd say, go put it out in the living room. And he'd, he'd put it out there. And he'd say, how long till Christmas? And I'd tell him how long. Pretty soon he'd have it back out again. And he'd say, mommy, mommy, can you guess what I made you? And I would try to guess. And then I'd tell him, put it away. And he'd go, how long till Christmas? And I'd tell him how long. He could not wait for me to open that gift so that I could see how much he loved me by making me something. And that's the way it is with our God. He is so anxious to get you to sit still so He can love you. That He's just, the room sometimes feels like it's just jumping alive with God. Him wanting to spend time. He's so happy I'm going to sit still and let Him talk to me through His Word. What a God we serve. I hope. We've seen it happen in Central California where I was before coming here. Youth rising up. Youth rising up. And I believe it's through all the prayers. Sean, come on out. There is a Sean back there, isn't there? We are seeing so many youth that are now young adults, a lot of them, that are on fire for God. They are passionate about reaching, reaching people for Jesus Christ. Look at this room. We need you. 
We need you. Forgive us as adults for not showing you a real, live experience in Jesus. For not showing you that the most important thing is not a new car, but reaching that person down the street. Not that job, but reaching those people. We want to just... Sean... We, I want to take you in a time of prayer. And I just want to show you that prayer can be fun. It can be fun, but it's also powerful. Powerful what God will do. You know, in prayer groups, and I'm not saying it's okay to do this, but it's just hard for some of us. But you're in a prayer group, and this person prays this long prayer. And then this person prays this long prayer. And then this person prays this long prayer. Sean's here. By that time, I'm bored out of my mind. You know, all these long prayers, it's, it's hard to stay with people. So what we'd like to show you tonight is just to get you to pray brief prayers. Just short, one sentence or two. And we'd like to just start with praise and thanksgiving. It's a wonderful way. I re- I'll never forget the time I started with God just, you know, it was always, Lord, help me do this. Lord, do this. Do that. Do this. And God said, could you at least say hello first? or good morning or something. Show him how much you love him. Appreciate him. You want him to answer your prayers? Start praising and thanking him more. So we're just going to role model it, show you kind of how to do that. Then we would like you to, if you're comfortable with it, we don't want to push you too hard. Of course, they're going to Sabbath. Do they know? Okay. Friday. Oh, Friday. Okay. So we can push you now too. We're going to just ask you to get maybe in threes and fours and do the same thing. So we'll try. We'll start. Father, as we start, would you just put on our hearts how we could bring you joy right now? Lord, your way is perfect. Your, your love is so high. Would you help us just to see it? Lord, I, I'm not good at words, God. You know I'm not. But I just want you to know I love you. I'm so grateful, grateful that you are wanting me as your child. Father, each heart in this room is precious to you. Each heart in this world is precious to you. There are so many that don't know you. We want to be catalysts, Father, to lead hearts to you. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and his name will be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Thank you, Father, that you are our wonderful Counselor, our Mighty God. We would like you now, if you would, just in in maybe twos or threes, just pray back and forth praises to God, just for a just a short while we'll stop you and go on to the next part so if you're willing to just do that this message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC GYC a supporting ministry of the Seventh Day Adventist Church seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant Bible based and Christ centered Christians to download or purchase other resources visit us online at GYC web dot o r g